the Hit the Light podcast featuring Big Frog and Michael Castleberry is on the air. Covering classic metal and comedy from San Diego, California. So now sit tight and hit the lights. The Hit the Light podcast is recorded live and uncensored. Big Frog in particular is not politically correct, so please don't be offended. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hit the Light podcast with me, Big Frog. And and I am your uh, star child, Mike Castleberry. Ooh, the star child. And today we are talking about Kiss. Now. You wanted the best, you got the you best. You got the best. The, the hottest, hottest band, band in the world. Well, you know, it went from the hottest band in the land to, to the, the hottest band in the world. Yeah. Pretty quick. Yeah. So, and you know what, man? It, it was like that because one thing that I noticed, I was a little kid when Kiss was out. Yeah. And, um, and I knew who they were right away because they were all over TV. Yeah. Well, that, that shit's just right up your alley, too. Like, they, they claimed they weren't trying to be like, oh, the, a thing for the kids and everything. But, right. like, everything about them. Was, was perfect for, for like it's you know baby's first hard rock band like totally you know it's like they have cool personas and face paint and mm-hmm. like lunch boxes and shit mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Where yeah they just marketed themselves like crazy yeah and then they acted surprised that kids were into them and right. this and that and right you know and that's there's a old quote I can't remember who said it where they're talking about Kiss and they say you know. Around that time, most bands wanted to be the Beatles, and Kiss wanted to be Pepsi. <laughs> right. Yeah, something like that. Something like that, because um, I think that they understood before a lot of other bands did that that you just got to get out there. I mean, they were doing like <clears throat> daytime talk shows, yeah. like Mike Douglas show and Merv Griffin and shit mm-hmm. like that, which mostly like housewives watch that shit. Yeah. But also, kids getting home from school, that you didn't have too many channel choices back then. You yeah. just watched what was on. And, and uh, I remember seeing a Gene Simmons interview when I was small, like I was maybe like seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in demon character. Yeah. You know, he was, you know, and, um, and nobody knew what to make of his ass. And back, <laughs> then, back then, in those days, like on the daytime talk shows and shit, People would, like, the host would often smoke cigarettes. Yeah. And then the, the, the people, they would drink. And they yeah. would be, like, pretty openly faded, you know? <laughs> and they were just looking at Gene like, what the fuck is... Well, I, yeah, I remember seeing something about that. Even in, like, uh, was like an interview with maybe Ace or something like that. Mm-hmm. Where they are talking about, like, one of those first TV appearances... Right. Because, yeah, like you said, they just, they had Gene go out to be the spokesperson. Like yeah. They had him, but he did it in character. And everybody's right. like, this is fucking weird. Yeah, and it was even, weird. Like, Ace was like, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, right. Like, this seems like it's going wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, they, and then they found out what going wrong was when they gave Ace the fucking microphone. Oh, yeah. And he's a fucking lunatic. You know, <laughs> funny guy. Funny guy, but like wasted always. Yeah. And yeah. He got into that rock star thing real quick. Real quick. And you know what? And I always loved that, man. Like yeah. I, I loved those dudes like Ace, you know, who was too much. Like yeah. Diano, who was too much. Yeah. And like other dudes like David Lee Roth, who kind of seemed to keep it 
more together. Yeah. Uh, and it, and he was kind of more about chicks. Yeah. You know, than booze and wrecking cars. And Ace yeah. was the perfect rock star. Well, that's the, the, well, almost. That's the thing is I remember, uh, I think uh, is Gene was talking about that in those days and how Ace was, uh, he's like, I worked with a lot of functional drug addicts mm-hmm. and uh, Ace was not one. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and that was the problem is he was, he was not a functional right. addict. Right. Some people, you know, they get fucked up all the time. They keep it together. Yeah. And Ace just got fucked up all the time and then started... And didn't keep it so together. Yeah, and just started passing out at the studio, so that's why right. they started having guest guitarists yeah. on, but not saying that it's not Ace playing. Right. And, and we never knew all this until all, way later. Yeah, all the smoke and mirrors of Kiss, which is funny to me that, you know, you know the, the story of Ace and Peter changes depending on whether or not someone in the band's mad at them at any given right. moment. But right. it looks like they've been warming up to Ace again mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. where Paul did a track with Ace on one of Ace's solo albums. Right. And then uh, Gene was hanging out with Ace at his, you know, at his place and they started, you know, they wrote songs together for an upcoming solo album and right. then it turns out that, you know, the... Uh, uh, the album title was going to be Spaceman, and that was Gene's idea. Right. So I was like, call it that, call it Spaceman. And there you it's go. probably because they own the fucking Spaceman. Uh, probably. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, they've been saying, oh, Tommy's the Spaceman now. He's the Spaceman right. now. But then when you have Ace go out and saying it, it's yeah. mudding those waters. So, you know, Tommy's over there thinking his paycheck's about that. Yeah, he's, 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 he's making plans, he's, future plans. He, you know, he's keeping track on how fat Ace is yeah. at any given moment. Yeah, he's trying second. to see how many more guitars he can get out of Gibson while yeah. the getting's good. The second, uh, the second <laughs> Ace is, is skinny enough to get in that Spaceman suit, he's, he's going to be working. He's back. He's <laughs> back. All right, so just to give like a quick timeline... It was 1973 when Ace joined Mm -hmm. and thus made them kiss, Kiss, right? From it was Wicked Lester or whatever that, which uh, I've heard. Yeah. It's it's fucking whack. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but, but it's one of those things where it's kind of the evolution of the thing because, you know, I read like interviews with Paul and, and, um, and Gene. Mm-hmm. And they were like super into the Beatles, yeah. Super, you know, rock and roll, mm-hmm. and and it shows, you know, yeah. and even more so then. Some of those same songs were redone as for the first record, yeah. Kiss, um, but with a little bit heavier edge, yeah. But even then, like you can hear like both distinct like notes of the power chord. It's like. Yeah. You know, they're it's it's like too clean. Yeah. You know, but but it is what it is. It's just it's like like the way I, I kind of like describe the stones, you know I'm not a big stones fan. Yeah. No. But the way I like describe the stones is well they're a rock band. Mm-hmm. And then so when you go see them if you're close or whatever by a by a speaker or whatever, then what you're hearing is really loud rock. Yeah. It's just rock music but it's fucking super loud yeah but it's not the same thing as hard rock or heavy rock it's just loud rock and that's what Kiss was at first I think just kind of loud rock yeah 
And then I think they started getting a little bit more getting their sound together. And then Kiss Alive came out. Yeah. Right? And that was kind of like the same way like I described like those other live albums yeah. that did a certain thing for those bands. I think Kiss did, uh, Alive did that for Kiss. And oh, like yeah. updated those songs and made up. That's how they were supposed to sound. Yeah. Well, that, it definitely did because the just the, the mixing and everything else, like the production on the first maybe three Kiss albums, mm-hmm. you listen to them and it's like, yeah, it's missing something. It's like, definitely missing like something. the songs are competent, but it's not anything you know blowing you away right. for the most part. And uh, then they're like, okay, what we they weren't they were doing well in their shows, like mm-hmm. people were going to see them, but they weren't selling albums. Right. And that's when they came up with, oh, let's do a live album, fucking quotation marks. Right. You find out it wasn't live. It wasn't that live. You know, yeah. They played the songs. I'm guessing the near as I can tell for the most part it was like how Van Halen cut records. They replayed the songs live in studio. Right. Recorded the best takes of that and then added some crowd noise. Right. I I gotta assume there had to have been some sort of actual live. Well what I what I would do what I would say is probably probably something like this. You take the uh, you take the live track, mm-hmm. right? And then you uh, take out everything except the drum tracks, for example, yeah. right? And then you have somebody, I guess it was Peter, uh, play along in the in the studio. You record yeah. that, and then and then you take the original drums out because that's yeah. the that's the thing that sounds the most fucked up live. Usually, is the drums. Yeah. They don't, you know. And you replace it with that studio track, and it kind of gives the whole thing like a. Yeah. newer crisper sound and then outside of that you just kind of take out the fuck ups you yeah. know and do a new vocal if you if you want yeah you know that's what's you know for me it's like like I want it to be mostly live but at the same time the idea just the concept of Paul Stanley sitting in like a recording studio doing mm-hmm. like multiple takes of like his stage raps and shit <laughs> oh yeah to me. yeah no, I think those had to stay as is yeah but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't matter because he has those down yeah, anyways it's, it's like they're memorized oh I'm sure he yeah. does but it's like I know y'all like a taste of alcohol yeah. alright yeah. I don't like that you know, taste it's getting hot in here you know yeah Paul Stanley, that is, I've seen Kiss twice, and both times it's like he's, you, you know, you watch him, and it's like, he's kind of a fruit. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and, you know, and I like him, and it's, the whole thing, it's just ridiculous, but it's like that singing voice the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, the first time I saw them was on the farewell tour, ha. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and that was in 2000. Yeah, you know, and um, then they—that's where they, re, you know, they retcon it. No, no, no. It's just farewell to the original lineup of right. kids. Right, right. Because we'll be back with something else. Yeah, but at the same time, like they didn't even have the original lineup through the whole thing. Right. Uh, Peter left the band again about halfway through the farewell tour, and mm-hmm. they brought uh, brought Eric back in. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, so, you know, the rest is history, I guess. History. History. As they say. You know, it's funny, though, with, like, the the guys they have now. Eric's been in the band a million years. Right. 
and he's been in two very different incarnations of it. Like right. he's basically in a tribute band now. Yeah. But it's funny because Ace is all bent about Tommy wearing the his paint. Right. But then <laughs> he's like also like, well, I did play with Eric and Peter's well, makeup, would, yeah. and I didn't really care. Right. Because people were saying, he's like, I mean, he's like behind me, so I don't even fucking see him anyway, so right. it wasn't weird to me. Right. And, you know. And then right after that, he left. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, but then Peter has been, has played with Tommy. Uh, Peter's all like, uh, so it's like we both cheat on each other, so it's I'm the cat man, you know, and that guy's not the real cat man, but I like him, yeah. But you know, he also played with like Tommy, so it's like you guys all, you guys, it's it's fucking obnoxious, but at the same time, they sold the rights of that shit away, yeah. And it's funny because everybody's always like, how could they have sold the rights of those characters away? They thought they're done with them, right. They left the band, like right. it, you know, and you don't Ace, have no real use for it, yeah, unless Ace, you're in that band. Yeah, Ace left the band in what eighty, mm-hmm. um, eighty or eighty one, and Peter uh, was around like seventy nine or something, uh, and around the time they left, yeah, the band, Chris left in eighty, and then Ace left in eighty two, okay, okay. or eighty one, eighty two. Yeah, it's uh, it's all. Jumbled, jumbled, yeah. because you know his face is on Creatures of the Night. Right. He didn't play a lick right. on that. Right. But um, the funny thing about that is, though, is like when they left the band, not, they were done with Kiss, mm-hmm. and Kiss looked like it was on its way out anyway. Right. You know, so like they were just like, what, what, what use do I have for my character if this whole band disintegrates in the next couple of years anyway? So mm-hmm. they took a payoff. They mm-hmm. took a you know a million or so yeah probably the, needed it to the char- for the characters and Gene and Paul they just stayed the course they figured at some point that shit was gonna be valuable again right and they've the funny thing is is it, it took everybody taking off that that face painting discarding their characters to make the characters valuable again because, it did because then when you bring the characters back. It's cool again. It's cool again. Where it yeah. was corny when they took it off. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like Creatures of the Night didn't sell for shit. Right. Right. Yeah. Even though it was great. Oh, I yeah. loved it. Yeah. I love that fucking record. And that's like the only Kiss record that's kind of like a heavy metal record. You know, it's funny. It's like, I actually have that, because uh, we're going to jump around a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I actually have that as my favorite Kiss album. Oh, wow. Creatures of the Night. Well, because think about this. When you sit down and go, what's your favorite Kiss studio album? Right. Mmm. Rough. It's hard to pick one. Yeah. And it's not because they're all good. It's because you kind of only fucking need a yeah. live one and two. The, and the, yeah, the hits are spread out yeah. throughout the records. And it's not, yeah, they they weren't like an album band. Like where, right. Where you totally sit weren't. down and from like... They didn't. They never had an album like except for me for creatures mm-hmm. that was just bangers all the way through. Right. Like right. it's there's always some whack ass songs right. in there that they never play live yeah. and like just shit that. You and know. You, you know that might have something to do with the fact that I mean, there's not. I mean, there's not a lot of depth. You know, the songs no. are about partying and fucking. Oh yeah, basically. 
you know, so there's not, you know, if I think in, in, and for a band with not a lot of depth like that, like for example, Kiss and maybe some, you know, some bands, some hair metal bands like mm-hmm. Rat or Poison or something yeah. like that. If you have um, double platinum, yeah, you know Kiss. Yeah. You know, whereas if you have, we sold our soul for rock and roll, you don't know shit about Sabbath for yeah. that. You know, I mean, there's much more depth. Well, to I mean, you know, they're, you, you know, know, the hits, you know, their set list for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, but well, that's true. But really, there's so much more. Oh yeah. In in like a something on volume four, something oh, yeah. in sabotage, than oh, yeah. there is on something on you know, fucking love gun. That's on side B or something. You know. Well, I mean, the, the funny thing about that too is Van Halen. It was mostly about partying and, mm-hmm. and shit also, but like every fucking track ripped on right. Van Halen one. Right. And and you know what? And and Van Halen had a had a different kind of depth in the sense that Well, you had the guitar virtuoso of of the world. Yeah. And then and then Dave was like a master of the abstract, you know? Because really like the the point of writing a song is not really like like you say uh, okay I broke up with Amy okay yeah. so my song goes Amy you fucking bitch <laughs> whatever whatever right that there's no art to some writing something yeah. so specific the art is in writing something vague that everyone yeah. can kind of relate to and you know and Dave was a master of that yeah. the the lyrics of Kiss are very specific. They're, they're not, Maybe. yeah, they're not no. exact. There's not a lot of depth to yeah. the lyrics. The there. only song that I think ever had any use for me was, um, like, after high school, I was with this chick, and she used to complain that I would always be, like, with the band or doing rehearsals oh, or whatever. So, so, it's so I played Beth for her, God. and she was like, oh, I get it now. And I was like, Yes! They, that who uh, I wonder if Peter wrote that. Did Peter write that? He, well, he, he sang it. He, well, you know, that's the thing is uh, I've heard stories that Peter wrote it. I've mm. heard stories that Peter didn't write it. Right. You know, like Gene has said that Peter wrote it, but it had a different title at first. Okay. And it sounded like a dude's name or something. He's like, you might want to change that, or people are going to think you're right. singing about a dude. Right. And then. Paul claims that Peter didn't write shit and that he's completely incapable of writing. It's like, if you listen to, if like, <laughs> this is one of my like weird, um, just my weird things I'm into is I, li- I like listening to like audio clips from like Paul Stanley's book where he's just shitting. <laughs> right. <laughs> Peter Chris. Yeah. And I like Peter and Ace, but. Paul just reading his own book that he wrote and just taking a dump on them is yeah. like hilarious because like they're in that mode now before it was like okay we're the you know we're the four musketeers I guess uh-huh. you know, all for one one for all right you know everybody's got a, an equal share and then they put on this front that everybody was equally contributing and they had this whole they wanted to be the hard rock Beatles mm-hmm. so everybody had like could have their favorite member but everybody's an equal member of the band mm-hmm. But then you like now the whole revisionist part of it is that oh they didn't do shit most of the time right and we're the ones doing all the work and they were just taken along for the ride because we're amazing and they weren't right and, 
But you know what though, man? That's the that's the kind of shit. That kind of shit takes care of itself because it doesn't it doesn't start like when the first record's made. Uh-huh. That kind of shit starts way before. Like for example, in my bands, in in two in the two bands that I was in the longest, I did all of the producing because I was the only one who knew how to run the four track. So. Yeah. There you go. You know? That's just how it works. Right. Now, if we were to make it, then probably I would be the one fucking sitting in the studio because that's just what I always did. Yeah. You know? So, so for that, I mean, you know, they were the ones telling Ace and Peter when to show up. They were the ones saying, okay, just record your tracks and you can go. You don't yeah. have to worry about whatever, whatever, whatever. You can't then later complain about that because yeah. you're the one that made that shit yeah, you set that precedent. Yeah. But yeah, then it's but yeah, the shit that Paul says, it's like you would he he gives his he gives Ace his due where mm-hmm. he says, you know, when Ace wasn't all fucked up, mm-hmm. he was a talented guitarist. Right. And still says, "Oh, he could have been so much better if he, yeah. you know." Well, that's his thing is yeah. he always says, you know, he could have been uh, he could have been Jimmy Page if he wasn't all fucked up all the time. Right. You know. Right. And yeah. they got him because he had that you know, when they're looking at guitarists, um, it came down to Ace and uh, Bob Kulik. Okay. When they're first auditioning guitarists, and Ace had that, he had the sloppier side right. of Zeppelin going on yeah. for him, and uh, Bob had the, the more technical side. Right. But they just felt that Ace's, you know, dirtier, sloppier yeah, he was a better stuff fit. was a better fit at that time. Yeah. And... So they went with that, but then they kept having Bob come in and do shit. Right. And, you know, he did all the guitar tracks except for one on like the uh, the studio uh, side for uh, a live tune yeah. that nobody listens to. Yeah, not really. Um, and then he worked on uh, Paul's uh, solo album and stuff like that. Right. And then got his brother a gig with him. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, as a guitarist. Um, I always, like, I loved Ace, Mm -hmm. always. And, you know, his sound was, I mean, it's a Les Paul through a Marshall. And Mm -hmm. that's that's the basic hard rock sound of of ever, you know? Yeah. Uh, So, so he had that down. He had those, the blues licks down, you know? But he had a little bit more than that, you know? He had a, a... he didn't stay in in um, he didn't stay in comfortable patterns. He would go outside the box, which is what I liked about him a lot. And um, and yeah, you know, technically, I mean, he wasn't the cleanest guitar player in the world, but it was all right. You yeah, know? well, you don't need that all the time. Yeah, you, you know, know, there's a there's a time and place for everything. Right. You know, you 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 want super clean and. Te- you know, yeah. technically proficient. You listen to Ingve, right? Satriani. You, know, you, you listen yeah. to that, and if you want just like a a dirty, gritty rock and roll kind right. of sound, you listen to like you know Ace, or you listen to Motorhead. Yeah, you know, like yeah. It's an Ace. Uh, the thing I liked about him is a lot of his solos. Um, I get a very Chuck Berry vibe. Very, album. very. Um, just louder. 
Right. And, and Chuck Berry also shows up in the um, in the in the chord structures with the they do yeah. a lot of da na 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 you know yeah um, yeah that's all fucking Chuck Berry shit yeah. so yeah they, like I said there is always that rock and roll element of Kiss you know yeah. and um, rock and roll all night which was on the second album. Right, uh, I think. Um, actually, you know what? Uh, their third album. Okay, third album. There you go. And I then, was listening to them today. Just right, me too. Yeah. I listened to it live <laughs> on the way over here. And it and rock and roll all night was basically perfected on alive. Yeah. Right. Oh, you. Nobody needs to fuck with the album version of rock and roll. Right. Yeah. No, not really. Point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, but the thing about that right there is that on their third album. They did something that some motherfuckers can never, never, never do. Because if you sat down and said, you know what, guys, let's write an anthem. Yeah, I was, yeah. You're going to be in that fucking room a long time. Well, that's what I was going to say. In the, uh, when I was listening to that today, you realize when you start doing the math on everything, that's like one of the first rock anthems. Totally. Like, you know, it's like what, that and... We will rock you, or yeah. pretty much the OGs of that. Right, right. So it's like, yeah, they wrote, yeah, yeah. And just the other night, man, I was right here at Petco Park for the Padre game, or whatever. And it was like, I don't know, it was the fifth inning or seventh inning stretch or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. They played rock and roll all night. Yeah. And the whole place went nuts. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about old ladies and little kids and <laughs> dancing and shit. It still, it still plays. Yeah. You know, like it was just recorded yesterday. Oh, yeah. That's all right. I'll tell you one thing about Rock and Roll All Night, though. Uh, that's one of those songs that you would normally say, like, I don't think I need to hear this song ever again. For sure. So, like, if I'm sitting at home or if I'm, you know, at work and I'm listening to music and mm -hmm. I, if I feel like putting on some Kiss, I'm probably not going to listen to Rock and Roll All Night. Probably not. Um, it's like kind of like Inner Sandman for me. Like, okay. But... If I'm in a public setting and rock and roll all night comes on it's at like, like yeah. Echo, yeah. or if I'm at a Kiss show or something, I'm gonna fucking be into it. Exactly. Because it's like you can't not. You can't not. And yeah. You have a good time. Right. So. So it was probably because of that that in 1977, a Gallup poll had Kiss as the number one band in the United States. The same year, they get their own Marvel comic book. Yeah. Right? Lunchboxes. I had a lunchbox. They had the, uh, the, uh, the ink had their blood in it. Oh, yeah. That's book. right. That's uh, right. You know? And then, um, in 78, in 78 was a weird year. Because Alive 2 comes out. Then uh, Double Platinum comes out, mm -hmm. and then the four solo albums come out. Yeah. So it's like, this is, you know, they're, I mean, like like true capitalists, yeah. they're trying to capitalize on their well, success. That's, that's probably the year that broke them. Really, probably. Because they were, they oversaturated right. the market. Like, you know, Alive 2 is tight, and then, but then when you do four solo albums, and it's, you know, 
turns out it was them trying to keep the peace because the band was on the verge of breaking up. Right. And they said, well, let's all fuck off and do our own albums for right. a minute and then we'll reconvene. Right. You know? But, yeah. But that, I mean, you know, like, think of if you're, if you're a Kiss fan, right? Mm-hmm. And you bought and you bought it all. Yeah. Then you bought four solo albums and two double albums. Yeah. At like fifteen bucks a piece in nineteen seventy eight dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you spent a lot of money on that yeah. shit. You know. Yeah. That that yeah that might be that might have been enough right there. And and as it turns out, it kind of was. <clears throat> Kiss meets the Phantom came out late in that year. Did you ever <laughs> see it? Uh, I've. I've watched parts of it. I, that's like a, it's an unwatchable movie. Right. So I'm not going to ever sit down and watch right. that shit from beginning to the end. I watched the broadcast premiere. Oh I, think, I think I was nine. Right. And it was the worst fucking thing. I mean, you know, the fucking uh, like LED laser eyes and fucking weird shit. I think it, it was not. Uh, Ace's actual voice somebody else no, they, did the part because Ace didn't say shit through the whole time he was going through this weird phase where he just kept making noises at people okay and, yeah uh, what's funny <laughs> what's funny is like they knew it when it was being made that this shit was whack mm-hmm. like Paul especially he talks about how he was so I don't think this is gonna be good guys like because right. but the thing is like when you're when you're filming a movie, until they put in special effects and everything else, you don't know what the fuck it's going to be. Yeah, you really like. don't. Like, all, you know, when uh, they're filming Star Wars, mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, this movie's going to fucking fail. Yeah, this movie is stupid. Right. But then they saw it with all the effects and everything else, and it was like, oh yeah. my God, this is the bomb. Right. But like, so if George Lucas made Kiss Meets the yeah. Phantom, it probably would have been well, awesome. Well, that's what they pitched it as to them, is they told uh, they told Paul and Gene, you know, basically, nobody else was fucking doing Cared. this shit. They pitched it to him as, uh, oh, it's going to be Star Wars meets A Hard Day's Night. Oh, awesome. And yeah. you know what? If someone pitched that shit to me, I would be like, that sounds fucking stupid. Yeah. But if they pitched it to me and then told me they'd also pay me like millions of dollars to do it, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, I guess I could do a stupid movie. Right. And everybody, and they're telling you all this while a plate of cocaine's being handed yeah. around the room. Well, what's funny that, like you said about the Ace thing, not only did they uh, dub him over uh, a lot, I think they dubbed over Peter Chris also in some parts. There was entire scenes where it was not even, it was just a black dude in... Uh, Ace Freely's outfit. I seen <laughs> that. I seen that. Yeah, that's that looks crazy. That's and, uh, I, I don't know what made them think that like makeup could make up for have... facial feature changes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, Paul was like, you know, because they would do a scene, and he was like, you know, I was led to believe that you know you wouldn't see the strings and shit when the right <laughs> when the movie came out. So when the movie came out, you could still see strings on things and everything else. And it said they're just in the theater. And he was just slumped down in his seat. Like, oh my God, what have I done? Right. And especially when people are just like, oh, well, everything you just got done doing has been super awesome. This is obviously going to be super awesome, too. Oh, everybody in the theater told me how awesome it was. (laughs) You know, it's like, this is great. Yeah. He's like, this is shit. Yeah. And that's when they realize also 
around that time period is when they started realizing they're just surrounded by yes men totally. that want a paycheck. Totally. They want a part of the kiss train and that's around, you know, they eventually fired their, their manager mm-hmm. and decided to start managing themselves type of deal because mm-hmm. um, they realized they're really getting talked into some very stupid business decisions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're really like a band that barely made it because their record label was on the, on right about to disintegrate yeah. when their, when their record hit yeah. and kind of saved the, saved the whole fucking thing. Okay. So 79 dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I have mixed feelings because I definitely had that record. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that I kind of used. I always, like, I used to be like a, now I don't give a shit what people listen to or what yeah. they, you know. I, it, and it's just easier to just let them like what they like. You know, but back then, I used to be like, oh, like a converter. They're like, oh, you know, come check this out. You yeah. know, the first fucking hit's free. You know, whatever, yeah. you know, it's that guy. And so I would use songs like like uh, I Was Made For Loving You or like even Rock and Roll All Night or anything like that to like draw me in. Yeah. Here, you like this, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's groovy. All right, yeah. cool. Trip out on this and then, and then and that's how I get you. Yeah. You know, so that song is always uh, served. Back. For that, Lonnie that loves that thing. song. Yeah, you know, she's like, "Ooh," you know, when it comes on. It's so, fun. yeah, you know, and it's good live. Right. They uh, they kind of um, along the way they really um, kind of played like made the guitars louder and just play it a little bit harder live and you know kind of, I mean, you still can't get rid of all of it but they kind of try to de-disco it a little bit right you know well i heard a theory the other day and the theory was that you know because right around right after that was the death to disco movement yeah right and i heard a theory the other day that the death of disco movement wasn't really about the music it was about like the lifestyle and the bands getting too big for their britches yeah. and Studio 54 and discos being like now places that some people could get into some people couldn't get in yeah. if you weren't one of the pretty people you couldn't get in you know um, and people rebelled against all that shit the culture right yeah. and that that's the same thing that happened with hair metal yeah and that that's the same thing that people are saying is going to happen with hip hop now hmm. because it's no longer uh, it's no longer street and gritty yeah. now it's popping champagne and Bentleys yeah. and people can't relate to that shit so they're going to toss it out yeah. so basically I mean you know I didn't have that big of a problem with that shit because honest 1979 I liked disco mm-hmm. I liked the Bee Gees I liked uh Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Cameo, and shit like that. Yeah. R&B, but sort of still very disco-y. The, yeah. the beats and shit. So, eh, I didn't have that big of a problem with it. It was cool. 
much better than what came next, which was Peter Chris is out and the elder is in. Yeah. Have you given that record like it's do like have you well, listened to it intently? And- I, <laughs> I've listened to it all the way down through. I want to say this about the Elder. Um, it's not my least favorite Kiss album. Okay. Uh, you know, um, I I actually like uh, Unmask, mm. uh, Unmask less. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole thing is, is you know, the Elder was at least trying to do something. Mm-hmm. And unmasked isn't right. Totally. <laughs> like I, I, I have to. Look I think unmasked was kind of just hinting at the interest of. Would you like to see us unmasked? Yeah. 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 It's funny because it's like you'd think that lick it up would have been the one you know uh, that was called unmasked. It was called unmasked. <laughs> totally. Yeah, but, we might have wanted to save that title. Yeah, because uh, let me see. Because yeah, Unmasked, see, it's so forgettable. Unmasked came out before The Elder. Right. <laughs> yeah, forgot it. And there that's the thing is it's it's just The Elder at least tried to do something. I can appreciate to an extent that they were trying to do something new. They're right. trying to, they're, they're trying, they're, they're at least giving something an attempt. Unmasked is just like, you know, if I had a dime for every track for Unmasked, I could name off the top of my head, I would have zero dimes right, right now. Like, right. Yeah, they, it's just a fucking whack album that's just boring and everybody's played out at that point and mm-hmm. you can tell that whatever chemistry used to be there was gone. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a completely forgettable album. Right. And they, then they went and fell into the elder. Right. And now the elder is actually called music from the music elder. Music from the elder. Because it's supposed to be a movie. Yeah. And that just never happened. Yeah. Probably yeah. good. Probably better that way. Because yeah. like, why would you? It's funny. It's like, you know, because one Kiss movie went so well. Right. Let's have another Kiss theme movie. But they wouldn't have been in it. It would have yeah. been one of those things like they wrote the soundtrack for it. And then... Right. Um, it seems like you might want to have the movie out before you make this, you know, yeah. the soundtrack. But then it's like, how far along did it get? Is there a script somewhere? There probably is. Um, that would be interesting. I did see a thing where somebody, like, it's a fan thing now where some people are putting together, like, uh, like a musical based on the album to mm-hmm. try to give it its due. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an album, I mean, it's, it's not good. Like, you right. know, there's a couple moments on it, but it's just like, you can't listen to that like a rock album. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just fucking weird shit going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, it's like three quarters of the way through before you finally have like an actual rock song right. happening. Right. You know? And then at that point, it's like you're already like over it. Right. Um, yeah. I wasn't so into the concept albums. I mean, I like 2112, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's usually, not so much. Well, that's anytime, you know, they're hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. And anytime you see a band 
start they well, we're doing a concept album unless they're like a band that that's kind of their thing right um like there's bands that they, they always do a concept album mm-hmm. and every album's a different concept mm-hmm. so it's like but it's usually when a band finally gets up their own ass and yeah. thinks they're like these amazing creative geniuses right so then they put out this weird fucking thing yeah that's just like you're like yeah what is this and the thing is is like you know you talk about like 2112 and it's really just like one side one side which is enough perfect perfect you know and then the rest is just other songs other songs but yeah um, sounds about weed and shit yeah but it's (laughs) it's not the whole album but yeah you know you you know the the Beatles had the whole concept album first and that was probably when they're at their druggiest and all that jazz yeah (laughs) for sure all right, so, okay, so little do we know, but Ace is basically out by this time. Yeah. Right? They go record Creatures of the Night. Um, I guess Vinny's on a lot of that. Uh, maybe maybe Bob Kulik's on it, too? Oh, God. You know what? I can look, and at this point, they have to have, like said you know who the actual personnel right well i remember the war machine video and ace is in it yeah so he was still around and at that time i didn't play guitar yet i didn't know a whole lot about it and i thought it was ace i mean Ace was, on the cover. Ace was on the liner notes. I thought maybe he was, you know, updating his, yeah. his sound or whatever. Um, in retrospect, now I can tell it's not him, obviously. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, no, uh, no Bob Kulik on this one. Okay, so it's, so it's Vinny. Well, it's, here's the thing. It's, you know, they have the full band is Paul, Gene, Vinny, and Eric Carr. Um, and apparently Eric Carr played bass on I Still Love You. Okay. Oh, wow. And then it's additional personnel. Robin Ford, Steve Ferris, Jimmy Haslip, uh, Mike Porcaro, Adam Mitchell. Uh, the boys. Yeah. The boys were on it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, fucking great record, man, to me. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, it brought, like, I think they were trying to go metal, like, it was, it was a, a, I think it was a conscious choice to go a little heavier. Well, they had been saying for the past couple albums, they had started off going, we need to do a back to basics hard rock album. Mm. And then they're like, let's do The Elder, you know? Right. And so that's when it completely fell off. And had they stuck to that and recorded this album and put it out, Mm. you know, when The Elder came out, Mm -hmm. I think they would have had a hit. Yeah. But instead, they released it too late. Right. Where nobody gave a shit anymore. Right. And everybody's like, oh, fuck Kiss. Yeah. You know, and they they put, then they, the sad thing is, is they had a sick album that nobody cared about and nobody was going to the shows. Right. And they were going, they went from huge arenas to like 5,000 seat auditoriums. Now, during this time, if you were a young kid and you were into Kiss, you would have like older kids telling you, 
Come on, man. Just making funny. Yeah, Leave that, that old corny little kid shit alone. Yeah. Here's Zach Lynn or here's, you know, real bands. Yeah. Kiss ain't a real band. These are real bands. But I've never I've never been one to uh, to differentiate between between that because I mean if if you look at it that way, there's always people that are gonna tell you, well, heavy metal's not even like real music. So yeah. it's not, you know, so I never took it that that dead serious. Yeah. Uh, and I've always liked bands that were fun, you know. Um, I like bands that were serious and mm -hmm. technical and shit, but I like bands that just like to fuck around too, you yeah. know. Uh, even to the point, like, you know, it, in the hair metal days, you know, I'd go see Rat, I'd go see Poison, I'd go see whoever, you know, it just, it was a good time, like, yeah. it was the same kind of shit, you know, um, so, okay, Creatures of the Night comes out, it doesn't do well, Ace is gone, Peter's gone, and 1983, they make a decision. Yeah. Take it off. Yeah. Well, that's that they had to at right. that point. They figured, you know, had they done that sooner, it might have revitalized their career. Mm -hmm. Um that's a that's kind of the funny thing about it is, you know, it was a good it was a good move. Mm -hmm. And then they did the whole unmasking on MTV. Right, on MTV. Which is funny because had they done this a few years prior with the whole original band, it would have been an even bigger deal. Oh, huge. But instead, you have, okay, here's Paul, and here's Gene, and then yeah. here's... And we never wondered what these other guys looked yeah, like. Yeah, nobody, yeah. you know, nothing against Vinny Vincent, but, right. like, uh, <laughs> nobody was wondering what uh, Tia Vinny... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, yeah. You know, and Eric, you know, Eric Carr, you know, he was... Right. You know, right. he was just, he was brand new to the band. Yeah. So there wasn't that mystique about right. him yet. Yeah. But, Gene looked like a fucking Frankenstein with a wig. Yeah. Yeah. I could see why Gene was so against uh, that whole idea. Oh, yeah. That's, you know what? Gene Simmons is, that's, here's the thing though. Like, Vinny Vincent is a fucking weird little pretty boy or whatever the mm -hmm. hell's going on with Vinny now. Mm -hmm. um, Eric, he's kind of a pretty boy, you know. But, you know, Paul is, you know, at that point, he's still a good-looking dude. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. he takes that that face paint off, and he's like, check it out, ladies. Yeah, this I'm is a, my moment. I, I'm a good-looking cat, you yeah. know? And then Gene is fucking weird-looking. Yeah. And uh, so he kind of needed that demon thing, I think. And then, you know, they did, you know, it was a good career move, but right. on a personal level, just... That was not a good decade for Gene. No, like, he just looks fucking not right. Right, in every and he didn't know what video. to wear. Yeah, you know, he still had those pants with like the cutout thigh. Yeah, I never really understood that shit. What that was supposed yeah. to be, but he just looked fucking bizarre. Yeah, he did. And everything they were doing, where Paul seemed a little more comfortable. Oh, Paul was in it. That know. was Paul's time. And, yeah. uh, and Paul, well, Paul was just like, you know, around that time I was like, you know, he was like, even before all this, he's like, I was going to, you know, Studio 54 and all this shit all the time. Mm -hmm. I was dancing and doing this and that. And mm -hmm. he was like, so when I go and do all this stuff later, it's just like, 
this is shit that I would have worn anyway. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and the rest of the band just followed suit. And then right. eventually they got yeah. out of that glam phase. Yeah. You know, it's funny, man, because in, in those days, like, it just seems like motherfuckers were fucking good sports about shit. Because yeah. obviously somebody could have put out pictures of these dudes. If he was in yeah. Studio 54 or whatever, somebody couldn't could have done it, but they like agreed not to. Yeah. You know, like, or like Babe Ruth, they agreed not to fucking talk about that he was fucking all these bitches yeah. on the road and all, you know. They, I guess like writers used to be cooler. Yeah. Well, I mean, shit. Like, look at um, look at FDR. Most mm -hmm. people didn't even know that the, the president was in a wheelchair. Right. You know, he, it was this big hidden thing. Mm -hmm. Like, they wouldn't take pictures of him in the wheelchair. The press agreed they to not report yeah. on it. Yeah. When he would do speeches, he was standing up. Yeah. You know, he had to hold himself up. Right. He was like in danger of like wiping out. Yeah. Um, you know, but. Different fucking time, dude. Yeah. Now it's like if you had a, if fucking Trump <laughs> was in a wheelchair out Ooh, of nowhere, like man. you would not hear the end of fucking oh, yeah. wheelchair Trump. Yeah, like, they still talking about that shit that was like supposedly in you know, like Hillary Clinton's back or yeah. whatever. She had like some weird big thing that was like they said it was holding her up or something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they'll fucking speculate nowadays. No, I guess so. So everything worked perfect for us to not know yeah. what they looked like until yeah. until they did. Yeah. Right. All right, so during this time, they're on pretty heavy rotation on MTV. Yeah. All those, the next the next albums, which were Lick It Up, Animal Eyes was big. Mm -hmm. uh, they all had, they, they had hits, you know. So, so there was money, they were doing good. Animal Eyes had Mark St. John on yeah. it. Yeah. Which is a really weird thing because... This dude was in a band with a dude named Dave Donato, who we forgot to mention in the Sabbath uh, episode because he was like a blip on the Sabbath radar, mm -hmm. right? And so he was in a band with that dude. Then he got the gig with Kiss. Then they said that he had some weird thing with his hands and he couldn't play no more. Yeah. But then right after he's back in a band with Dave Donato, uh, Donato <laughs> and so... It's like, how bad could his hands have been? Well, apparently, for what I gather, is is one of those deals where it was a legitimate thing. Mm -hmm. um, it was something he recovered from, mm. but it was like a... Well, Not fast enough. Yeah, do we fucking... Do we sit around and wait for this guy to get better? Mm. And no, we got to be on the road. Mm -hmm. So they brought in uh, Bruce Kulick yeah. to, to stand in for him. And uh, Mark St. John played one and a half shows with Kiss. Right. Like, he did the album and played one a full show and came out for half a show. Right. And it was still not quite there. Right. And they're like, okay, we're going to have to move on. Yeah. And you know what I think is funny is during those days, the Kiss, um, like, publicity machine was mm -hmm. strong. Because... They really, they pumped up um, uh, Mark St. John as this, you know, um, flashy, hot guitar player. Same yeah. thing they did with Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. But if you look, if you listen to those records, there's, 
there's not a whole lot of real competent shredding going on. Yeah. You know, it's pretty basic shit, but we got, oh, this is the next big guy, this next big guy, and probably out of the out of the three of them, Bruce Kulik's probably the best guitar player of the bunch. Yeah. You know, uh, that um, where you can kind of, where his, his licks are more recognizable and yeah. his tone is more recognizable. And, uh, and you know, probably, he, he had probably been, because of his brother, probably been familiar with Kiss like his whole life. Yeah. So he was a, he was a good fit in that band. And then uh, around that time, that's when Eric Singer joins the band, right? Uh, because Eric That Eric was Carr, in the, well, that was uh, towards the end of Eric Carr's life. Right. Where Eric had gotten cancer. Right. Um, so he, he showed up for, um, the Revenge Mm -hmm. album. So Mm -hmm. that was in the early nineties at that point. Okay. You know, because they needed to have a drummer Mm -hmm. and, you know, Eric Carr, what's sad is that there was a huge falling out apparently right before Eric died. Mm. The fan, like he was, that's one of Paul's big regrets apparently is, um, the fact that they felt like they handled his illness wrong um, because Paul and Gene were like, you just need to focus on getting better. Mm-hmm. And he said in retrospect, if he had done something different, they would have kept playing with him as long as they could. Right. And like they, because all he wanted to do was just play music. Right. And they were inadvertently kind of denying this guy the one thing he wanted to do. Right. And but with that, good intentions. Yeah. It's and just And you know what? And if he would have gotten better, then they would have thought they did the right thing. Yeah. But he died, so then yeah, obviously he passed away and that's one of those deals. But the thing is is, you know, they when they did the video for uh, God gave rock and roll to you, mm-hmm. um it's Eric Carr in the video. Mm-hmm. And Eric Singer actually played on the track. Mm-hmm. So they did a little more of the Kiss switcheroo on mm-hmm. there. But they wanted to have him on in the video and kind of put on that front a little bit. Right. And have, let him feel like he's doing something, I guess. Right. But I guess there was a lot of bitterness there. And towards the end of his life, he, he wasn't talking to Paul really at all anymore. He had a hard time... Uh, ever getting over the fact that he will, he, he just he was the replacement drummer, mm-hmm. so he always felt like you know there is a weird thing because he was not one of the original guys, and mm-hmm. he always felt not quite right because of it. And it's like of all the replacement members that Kiss has had, mm-hmm. he was probably the most beloved and accepted. Yeah, he was the first replacement member right he is one of the only two to get his own character right and he was an upgrade yeah which was which is rare and anytime you join a band and you're actually a a better than the dude that you're replacing i mean nothing against peter but i mean he's a softy yeah and here comes this dude with these fat sticks that's the thing that sucks so much about like especially like I said when like it's funny listening to Paul just shit on Peter Chris all the time Mm -hmm. because if you listen to Paul you would think 
that they hired like a half retarded hobo right. to play drums. Yeah. That he's like, he didn't know how to drum. He didn't know how to sing. He yeah. didn't know how to write a song. He well, didn't you, understand you song structure. It's like, you're in the band with them, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, if he was that bad, you would have gotten rid of him. Right. Early. Right. You know, before right. you all hit big, you would have been like, this guy fucking sucks. Get yeah. rid of him. And it's like, you know what? I listened to a live one and two motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Like, he's drumming just fine in it. I saw Kiss live mm-hmm. with Peter Chris. Yeah. He was yeah. drumming just fine. He's yeah. not the best drummer in the world or right. anything. Now, also, too, you know, tastes, tastes in drums evolve mm-hmm. some people like you know the heavy hitters yeah and some people like a more jazzy guy you know uh and and that and that can happen within the same band I mean, yeah. it happened in this band happened in sabbath you know uh, it's different but both are good yeah you know uh i think uh probably probably eric singer is I mean, just from a technical standpoint, probably the best of the three. You know, he's just um, he can do more things. Well, he's yeah, he's he's definitely got the versatility. Yeah. He's got the 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 ability to play both styles. Mm-hmm. Like he's able to come in and they, you know, when when he was in the band in his own right. He was playing how he wanted to play. He was playing with a double kick and he was doing all this. So he right. had his takes on the songs. And then when he rejoined the band and they kind of wanted to more replicate the classic sound, mm-hmm. okay, play it like Peter. Right. And he is able to make that switch. Right. You know, you don't have the double kicks and this and that right. anymore, which I think is kind of fucking bullshit. I think it's, yeah. you know. There's, you know, we're, I'm sure we're going to vent quite a bit in a couple of minutes about the current iteration right. of this, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So then, uh, 96, there's the reunion. Mm-hmm. Now I've kind of remember, um, I kind of remember that they, they did an unplugged. Yeah. And then Peter and Ace came out yep. and joined it, yep. right? They, they had them come out for a, a 2000 Man. Mm-hmm. Um, they did, uh, did like three or four songs. Right. Now, I don't even it. think I watched that at first because I'm like, generally speaking, I hate Unplugged. Yeah, you know, I mean, why unplug when you can plug in? Well, you, you know? know, you want to hear? Here's here's the funny thing about this: um, the actual first Kiss album I ever owned was uh, Kiss Unplugged. Oh wow! It was it was the it was one of the ones. It was the Columbia Record Club or whatever. Or whatever right, right, had, right. And I just picked it up, and I was a freshman in high school or sophomore or something like mm-hmm. that. And um, it's it was one of those deals where. I had heard of Kiss, like I kind of knew a little bit. Mm. I didn't know much about them, mm. and um, you know, because they were before my time. Right. And I happened to have been watching the MTV Awards when they did the big reunion thing on that. 
Mm-hmm. So they came out and played rock and roll all night at the MTV Awards. Right. And there's fireworks. Yeah, and it was huge. Shit. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's fucking and sick. People went nuts. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I'll buy. I'll, I'll, I'll pick up some Kiss. I need to get study up on my Kiss. And I right. bought Kiss Unplugged. Right. And I was like, I guess this is all right. Yeah. And for you know what, for what it is, it's pretty. It's good. Yeah. I mean, it's they managed to pull off their songs unplugged right. well. Right. Well, that's the thing because they're they're really if you strip them down, they're just old rock and roll yeah. songs. You could play them on an acoustic guitar and sing it by yourself. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're good enough to do that, yeah. you can't do that with you know an Iron Maiden song. Yeah. You know, so it's it's uh, it lends itself to that, which is cool. Still, it's not my thing, but whatever. The cool thing is it led to the reunion, which I was stoked about because mm-hmm. um, because by that time I was a guitar player and I was an Ace dude, and I fucking loved just just having Ace back. Just I felt like I won. Yeah, you know what I mean, and the and the new uh, whatever they made was it Psycho Circus or was that the album? Yeah, I don't know how much Ace is on it. He is on like two songs, right? So it's not a real, real reunion record. No, it's not. They they claim that they were they wanted to do that, and then you know. It just didn't work out. Right. Um, if you asked Ace, it wasn't going to work out within the the time that they had the studio rented yeah. for. If well, if you asked Ace, because they're like, you know, what they asked was like, how come you didn't play on more of the albums? Like they didn't ask me to. Yeah. They didn't. They fucking had me come in for like two songs. And right. I, <laughs> right. Well, what they probably did was they probably saw his ass and was like, oh yeah, this isn't going to work. Yeah. You know, he, fuck it. Ace played on. Let's see. Three songs. Okay. Uh, so he played on uh, Into the Void, which is the song he actually sings, mm. then You Wanted the Best, and In Your Face. Right. Uh, Peter is on three songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Paul and Gene are on the rest of them. The only song, they all four band members only played together on one song on well. the album. And it's not even like a good song, <laughs> which is sad. But yeah. that's the thing. That's that fucking that that kiss hype machine. That smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Like they tell you, this is a reunion album. So you just fucking think they're all on everything, right? And you you just get all into it, and yeah. then later, like I had the album. Like, well, my brother had it. Right. Like, okay. Here's the thing about my brother. Um, I really, really, really like Kiss. Uh, My brother fucking loves Kiss. Okay. Like, he is, like, that is his favorite fucking band in the world. Like, the way I am with Metallica, he is with Kiss. Okay. And it's so weird to, like, have a guy that, you know, he's younger than me, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you have a dude that was born in, you know, uh, 84. Right. That's that into Kiss. Right. Like he's got a Gene Simmons tattoo, oh, type of thing. Yeah. Where it's funny because uh, he was at Comic Con one year, and it's just like the the tattoo. When you look at it, you're like, "What is that? A fucking bat?" Like, yeah. Because it's just the the eye the eye part the yeah. eye part gotcha. with like red eyes. Right. And he that's the 
first tattoo he ever got. I think it's the only one he has. Now I think about it, but uh, he got that, and then they're at Comic Con, and uh, they're walking around the hall. My brother and his girlfriend, and they see Gene Simmons. Mm-hmm. And Marley, his girlfriend, fiance now, is just like, "Go fucking say hi." He's like, yeah, "No, go show him your tattoo." She's like, "I can't." fucking just go walk up to Gene's fucking Simmons. Yeah. She's like, what do you mean you can't walk up? Just go walk up to him. Yeah. And it, he, he ended up not doing it. Right. The thing is, she's like, yeah, like, show me your tattoo. And he was, we are talking about this. He's like, man, I like, it's like I wanted to. It would have been so sick to get him to like sign my tattoo yeah. and then have a tattoo artist go over that. He's yeah. like, but at the same time, I don't want him to fucking sue my arm or some shit. He was like, I don't, he's like, I, he's like two outcomes of me having a Gene Simmons tattoo or he sues me or he trademarks my arm. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want either of those things to happen. It's like, here's Dan, the super fan, with his Gene Simmons tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that See, that's another thing that, uh, that people now have resentments like towards Gene because... You know, he wants to trademark everything. Yeah. Says he made up the devil horns and <laughs> fucking stupid shit like that. It's the same way that people have like towards like Sharon Osbourne, oh, yeah. you know, or whoever is, you know, in charge of the business side is usually a dick. Yeah. Well, know? my favorite, um, my favorite Gene story about that is, um, is actually Dio talking about the, because Dio originated the fucking horns. Right. Like, everybody fucking knows it. Mm-hmm. Gene claims he did because his hands are sort of in that position right. in one of the covers. Yeah, nobody and, was and it's doing, with the thumb out. Yeah. And nobody the, I was, love you. Yeah, nobody was doing that because no. of that one, one-off one cover, whereas Dio was out there. That was his thing. He right. Did. But Dio was talking about uh, the fact that Gene uh, trademarked OJ. Oh, you know, uh-huh. the just orange juice OJ. Yeah, and uh, Dio was just like it's the most Gene thing ever. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. But and that's the thing though too with the the business like the Paul's running the show. Right. Gene is really into like trademark and shit. Right. But he's not running the business part of the band of really. The band, right. He just he just knows that he can get money buying copyrights. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if he has a chance, like like you said, he trademarked OJ. Right. Now, if somebody says OJ in a thing, they got to pay me a royalty. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like if you go to Paul McCartney, which is ironic because he would tell Michael Jackson back in the day, mm-hmm. oh, you know where the money is? If you're buying song catalogs. Yeah. You buy up a song catalog and then you can market that shit out. Right, and then Michael Jackson bought his song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that ruined their that friendship. That was terrible because yeah, Michael bought move. the Beatles thing. Right. And he outbid Paul McCartney, and Paul was bent. And Oof. it's like, don't turn the guy on to the thing and get mad when he does it to you. That's true. How do you think all these other guys that you're buying up their song catalogs? Yeah. How do you think they felt? Yeah, that one of the Beatles owns all their shit. Yeah, nothing. I mean, I love the Beatles. I'm against that. Right. But imagine you're some guy that scraped by a little bit. Maybe you had a, a hit here, or t- here or there in the '50s or mm-hmm. something. 
and then one of the richest rock stars in the world buys all your shit. Yeah. And you fucking and not from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah. All right. So, nine, so 96 turns into uh, 2000. 2000 was the farewell yeah. tour that you went to. Honestly, I cannot remember if I went to that or not. That was during it's, that period. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, I remember having tickets, and but I just can't remember anything about it. So <laughs> you know, chances are I was there or I wasn't there. I don't I, know. You know, I had you know I I had a great fucking time. Um, I got the tickets hella late. Like mm. they, st- it was one of those deals where like. I that that's actually honestly because of the fact that like I was a fucking dork in high school mm-hmm. like I didn't go to shit mm-hmm. I just had my albums right that was the first actual real rock concert I went to okay. it was Kiss during the farewell tour and it was one of those deals where it was it's gonna be in San Diego mm-hmm. and the tickets weren't that expensive mm-hmm. um so then and it was Kiss yeah so then my brother and me just talked to my mom about it because we didn't have fucking money we didn't have jobs or anything at the mm. time you know I, yeah. I was a high school dropout and my brother was still in high school right so neither of us had money right so it's like mom can you buy us some Kiss tickets yeah and she's like I won't ask for nothing again yeah and she's like sure what the fuck not yeah. and then two of my friends wanted to go so she bought tickets for them too oh well and uh they were able to pay her back at least, but you yeah. Know, so me and uh, my brother and my friend Sean that we talked about on the Van Halen episode, mm-hmm. and uh, another friend of mine, Andy, all went. Right. And uh, it was uh, Skid Row was the first opening act. Was it the actual Without Skid Row? Or? It was not. Oh, it was, was okay. post Sebastian Bach. Right. Right. Um, and at that point, it was like boo. Yeah. Whatever. Boo. Yeah. Like I. I appreciate Skid Row now. Yeah. Sebastian Bach at the right. time. I just figured they're another hair band. I didn't exactly. Pretty much me too. So I'm just like, ew, boo, yeah. boo, gay, get out yeah. of here. Yeah. It's like, you know, and it was funny because when they got announced, uh, me and my friend Andy still joke about it. Because mm-hmm. um, whoever announced them was like, make some noise for Skid fucking Row. Yeah. So that was like the running gag was like, you know, they're skid fucking row. They're not right. skid row. Right. It's just, you know, without Sebastian Bach, there's fucking in it. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was the first opener and that was fucking whatever. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know any of the songs really. Um, and then uh, the second opener was the Nuge. Oh, so, shit. <laughs> so Ted Nugent opened for Kiss on that tour. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I still remember, like, I like Ted Nugent. Mm-hmm. Ted Nugent probably has the biggest discrepancy between how much I like someone's music and how much I hate the person doing it. Right. Because I want to hit Ted Nugent in the totally. face real bad. Yeah, what a dick. But he fucking plays the shit out of guitar. Yeah. And he's got some sick songs, so yeah. I can't really... And now, it's like... I don't know what he was doing in 2000. It was based... Basically the same shit. Mm. Um, he, he's he's more insane now. It was slightly toned down. 
But he had that song "Kiss My Ass," yeah, where he's just talking shit on liberals and everything the whole time. Right, right, right. You know, like just the end. It's just him. You know, kiss my ass, Reverend Al Sharpton. Kiss yeah. my ass. You know, yeah, he's just yeah, yelling yeah. people's names that he hates, that he hates. <laughs> to well, kiss my ass. But he plays that live, and it's he's that fucking guy that the concert is fucking sick. Right. You're watching it, and it's fucking good. And then he's fucking says shit. Yeah. And kind of takes you out of it. Right. Like, because he's playing Kiss My Ass and he updated it a little bit at right. that point to right. have a little bit more, like, in the A little more shit in it. A little it. more shit. Like, I think he says some shit about Al Gore at that point. I don't right. know. But then at the very end, you know, it finishes off and he's like, if you don't speak English, get the fuck out of America. Yeah. And it's like, Eww. Eww. Like, like fucking I was like bruh you're like, like thousand people here don't speak English <laughs> <laughs> fucking right good to, hopefully uh, they didn't speak that too so it was like man. woo that was uncomfortable man. and then you know Kiss comes on and as far as I was concerned it was Kiss in their prime like right. it was fucking the whole thing was killer from beginning to end and right. they slipped in a couple songs from the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, they were playing all you know, all the hits. Right. Which is weird to me because when I see it now, it's still weird because it's, di- you know, because they're all in makeup. Mm-hmm. But, like, to see Ace play Lick It Up. Right. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that is weird. You know. Um, that is weird. And, you know, that, but they played... Um, as far as stuff that Ace and Peter didn't actually play on, it was it was few and far between. It was right. mostly mostly shit you the hits. Hit, a hit you would have heard on a live one and two, right? And then they threw in like "Lick It Up," uh, "Heaven's on Fire," mm-hmm. um, um, "I yeah. Love It Loud," right? Type of stuff, right? So you kind of like. You dealt with those. I mean, I love it loud as a fucking sick song. Oh yeah, Heaven's totally. on Fire is a really good song. Right, Lick It Up, not my favorite Kiss song. Yeah, it's okay. But the crowd was enjoying it. Totally, you know? totally. And, and and it was cool because it's like a whole another generation of people that got to see Kiss. Yeah, you know. And to tell you the truth, the makeup and the wigs and the costumes do help to hide the age. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look like the stones up there. It doesn't look like, you know, some other old-ass yeah. decrepit band. They look younger. Even if they were to play right now with makeup, yeah. they would still look younger. They definitely, yeah. other bands their age. It's That's definitely true. Yeah. Uh, the wigs and stuff kind of make it a little silly sometimes. Right. Like you look at Paul Stanley and it's yeah. like he's in a weird fright wig at right. this point. Right, <laughs> right. But from the 10th row, it all looks yeah. good. It's like, I don't know, but I mean, it's not like the dude's bald. No. I don't know why he just doesn't have his hair. You know, I, I found out, I've been finding out some weird things, okay? Like, for example, I found out from listening to the... Uh, from Dean Del Rey's podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. If he has the Let There Be Talk podcast, and then he's on Joey Diaz's podcast a lot. So I'm not sure which one which one it came out, but it was about JoLynn Turner. Uh-huh. And yet JoLynn Turner, as I, I did not know this, but he has alopecia. So he wore a wig that entire time, uh-huh. right? That's never been his hair. <laughs> and then come to find out that 
during that time, Blackmore also was wearing a wig because he was getting bald right here. So he had like a hair piece for the front. (laughs) And And come to find out that wigs were not that rare. There was a lot of wigs that we didn't know about. Yeah. You I know? mean, that just seems like, I mean, I understand it. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be something to be said for aging gracefully. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like and when you're clinging on to it. But, I mean, that's probably why Blackmore wears that weird fucking hat now. Yeah, that hat sucks. I don't like that hat. <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, fucking... The, <laughs> it's like some weird, like peasant farmer hat yeah like, that's the thing it's not like a cool wizard hat nah it's totally not that would be much better if he had a wizard I'm gonna suggest that to him you're gonna suggest that to yeah. him yeah hey gonna... Richie I know you're listening what's a wizard hat <laughs> well, well go yeah. back to that pilgrim hat that you used to wear back in the yeah. days well you know that's the thing is you know you'd think he's yeah, he's probably not listening but at the same time his YouTube channel is nothing but people saying mean shit about so him. So maybe he likes it. Yeah. So maybe that's what he gets off to now. Like maybe we have to like start off talking about like, you know, Richie Blackmore is a huge piece of shit asshole. <laughs> and then he'll like, oh. Suddenly he'll respond to yeah. us on Twitter. It's like fucking saying Beetlejuice three times. <laughs> he called Blackmore a dick three times and he gets to be on his YouTube channel. <laughs> All right. So right after that, um, Soon after, Peter Chris leaves. Yeah. Right? Now, this is the time that we're talking about when Ace is actually playing with Eric Singer dressed as Peter. Yeah. So, he shouldn't have been too shocked a couple of years later when he left. And someone was dressed as and him. And someone was dressed as him. Now, the first time that I see, again, I wasn't up on the, the during this time like shit was fucking hitting me like peripherally you mm-hmm. know like oh kiss is back together oh they're not now they're not well but yeah. now they are now whatever it is it was like okay whatever but somehow like i didn't get the memo or something and i was looking at kiss and i was expecting to see ace there and here comes this fucking square jaw looking motherfucker <laughs> that, you know, and I was just like, what the fuck is this, you know? Yeah. So I get on and find out who this dude is, you know, and um, and I watched, it was a concert video, so I watched the rest of it. Oh, we gotta wrap this up. Do we? Yeah. And uh, he's, a, he's a decent enough guitar player, man. I mean, you know, he does the parts, he does them well, Okay, he doesn't have that great of a tone, but you know, he's he's he he reproduces the parts yeah. pretty well. I don't like the makeup. I don't like yeah. it not being Ace in Ace's makeup. You know, if yeah. anybody should be in Ace's makeup, it should be like a kid in a Halloween costume yeah. or something, not this fucking old guy. Well, yeah, I will okay. say. This is a good spot to leave on a cliffhanger, and we're going to be doing a two-part episode on KISS. All right. (laughs) So, we'll be back to discuss the the masked imposter reunion 
on the next episode. And I think we could we'll talk about our favorite albums, our least favorite albums, our favorite songs, and round it out that way. All right. Until the next one, this is Big Frog and the Star Child. <laughs> Until the next one, we're out. <laughs>